There it is. That was awkward transition as usual. Welcome back, everyone. It is Sunday, which means it is time for Sunday Night Teacher Talk, a show where we meet. Because, look, teaching's no, teaching is like teaching is like if you go to a wedding and you dance by yourself, right? You just go full Elaine from Seinfeld. It's just not as fun. It's just not remotely as interesting. It's always better when you're dancing with someone else. Don't go all Billy Idol on us. And so that that's kind of what brings us here. Um, and it's my insatiable need for community. Um, one of the things I started tracking this year was days I hang with friends. And because I know, I notice how much of a difference it makes in, in me. So talking to friends, I get to click the thing and I just, I look back and I know I feel better. So, you know, like hanging with you. All right. So here's the idea here, gang. If you've not been here before, the idea of Sunday Night Teacher Talk is to help you out, but also for you to get filled up emotionally or spiritually by helping other people. So you can show up in the comment section and help other folks out. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of our goal here is to like really just help folks connect as well. So um, just put a cue or the word question in the comment section. I'll answer any question you have. And before we get started, can you throw that graphic up? Um, I want to let everyone know, I'm going to probably mention this a couple of times because I just think it's, it's so important. So I ask, I regularly ask teachers like what, or sometimes it's in our Facebook group. Sometimes it's just when I'm talking to folks, like what's your biggest concern? And one of the things that we notice is that classroom management is at the top of that list, like almost always, because it's folks love to teach. They know they feel like they have a strong grasp on the content on how to deliver it. But it's like, man, if I could just get the kids to be quiet, if I could just get Bryce, stop talking all the time when I'm just trying to give directions, I can't even get class started. And so in this, um, someone had asked the other day, if this is going to be completely original, like, could you get all of this from my videos? I don't know, man, to be honest with you. I don't even, I, I don't think so, but with almost 700 videos we have created on YouTube. Uh, I can't remember what all of them are. Sometimes I go back and watch old ones. I'm like, man, I forgot we even talked about that. So, but my focus on this is it is not just, so this first one is about building relationships, right? It's 39 bucks. It starts out. You can just click the link. We're going to put it in the, in the comment section. Um, and I'll tell you what, I didn't even check with you this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you are, you know, you just don't got it. You don't have it right now. You just don't have money. Just shoot me an email. I don't want you to miss it because you just like are trying to raise your kids and pay your bills and stuff like that. And school is sucking the life out of you. Just shoot me an email and I'm going to hook you up. And I'm going to tell you this too. If you go and you don't like it and you're like, this is all the same crap I read. at saw the last one or whatever. Give me your money back for that too. Like I'm not even worried about it. But th the idea here is that, um, Building relationships is so much more than just knowing what your kids like, although that's part of it. It's so much more than just having a little bit of a deeper sense of who your students are. It, 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 we are going to go into this in such a way that it is, I don't, I don't know how people run effective and, and well-managed classrooms where kids are learning on a deep level without what we're going to talk about. I just, I, it is it is beyond me. So it's really creating a space where I'm going to show up. We're going to go into this deep. I'm going to give you resources for it. We're going to, you know, if there's different levels for different, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it is the, 
it's more comprehensive. The best compre most say. comprehensive thing I think we've YouTube ever tried to is put out. All over all different things. It here is like just comprehensive. So yeah. if that's what you need, so, like that's where you get it. Anyway, that's I just wanted to make sure I, I mentioned that. Um are you ready? Yes. Hit it, wife. Um, okay. I love this question, Nassim. Uh, how do you match your outfits as a teacher? Colors, blazers versus ties? That's a great question. It's a fun um, one. I, so, so, hmm, that's a good question. I, I'm trying to think of like a, I think it's just things that hit me. Um, I've never had, there's a level of bravery that it takes to, to dress like a certain way. Uh, I had a friend, my friend Yonkers that I taught with, Miss Yonkers, um, just wore whatever she wanted. And it looked great all the time. She'd be like, I feel like I'm going to wear a dress with rain boots. And it's going to be a yellow dress. I'm going to wear a polka dot sweater with a striped something else. And it was like, this looks great. Like, it's like, uh, if anyone follows, like, uh, I'm going to say her name wrong. Tierra Whack. Uh, hip hop artist, right? She just like, it's like, whatever. I'm going to just, I look like fun factory. Um, I, there's something I really love about that. Uh, but for me, it is the further I've gotten into education. Um, I find that I'll tell you what, that your my outfits definitely like, if I feel good about what I have on what I'm looking like, it just feel better teaching. And so I've often dressed up a little bit more than I needed to, but I have friends that like go full suits every day when they're teaching. Like my buddy, Dustin Ecker, who teaches at the Ron Clark Academy. Um, my man has like, looks like really nice suits every day. And it just makes you, it just makes you feel better. So whatever it is that you're putting on. So I think the way I'm kind of answering your question is um, whatever you're putting on, making sure that you feel great wearing it because it just helps you. It's like putting on your uniform for the classroom. And I just have always kind of looked at it that way. I think even if I was allowed to wear jeans and a hoodie, which I know a lot of schools are and no disc, because if you feel great in that and that's what makes you feel comfortable and you like what you have on, hit it. I, I've always tended towards um, more formal dress because I like the way it makes me feel. And then how I feel definitely comes across in the classroom. So. Do you have any tips on how you do you like blazers? You, CJ's it's for those of you who don't know, CJ has uh, a bunch of different like sensory issues to like clothes and materials. Blazers so, don't bother my sensory issues though. No, but that limits your ability. I think that you would often dress oh, like way different than I would if you didn't have those issues. I would dress so different. Marley and I talk about this all the time because our daughter is a very unique dresser. She we have Cindy Lauper for a kid. Um <laughs> But with dress, sensory issues as well. Yes. If we didn't have sensory issues, it would be game on. Yeah. But there's certain stuff I just feel it. And I go, nope, can't wear it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jordan is up next asking. Oh, uh, sorry. Well, you're sorry. right. That's one of two. Would you yeah. do the next one? No, they want it to be anonymous, but it's really hard. I oh. I can do this. Yeah. All right. So sorry about that. Sorry. So advice on how to navigate working in a school with a lot of parent influence. For example, there could be one person that complains and you are told you can't do something anymore. I don't know where the other part is. 
take your time. I don't see the second part. All right, so you look for that, and I can answer the first part from there. All right. Um, Was that it? Keep going. Nope. Oh, oh, okay. So uh, with a lot of parent interest. So it's like it's like anything else right so like when unless you're just purely working for yourself you have to figure out a way to navigate that space so sometimes that and and i've i've had a little bit of issue with teachers or with parents before like in different ways but mostly it's been with coworkers and especially with co-teachers, right? Because if a co-teacher is adamantly against doing something, it's like, oh, but you're feeling it, you know, it's like the right thing. You're super excited. And it's not even about you. It's about kids. Like that is, it's a really hard pill to swallow when someone just says, no, they're not going to do it or they don't want to do it or they don't, or they'll do it begrudgingly. And then they, their energy is like killing the whole vibe in the thing that you're trying to do. Um, I think it's building those relationships with the parents and saying like, Hey, I'm so glad that you came up and said, you know, like voiced your, your truth. Um, I'm just curious because as we go forward, I have a whole bunch of ideas and I'm just looking for like, what is, what is at the core of why you don't want this to happen? So I can be mindful in creating things going forward. Now that doesn't mean that their opinion has to change everything you do. It doesn't mean their opinion has to change anything you um, especially if it's, if it's not grounded in like the values of the school and, and my particular values, and it's not in the best interest of the students, um, and it's just their kid. So I've had te- like certain kids whose parents didn't want them to read like a particular book. And although I could see where they were coming from, it was like, well, I can't like, I've already built this whole curriculum out. Like it is, it is unreasonable for me to, and and I've done it for years to build something completely new because one parent doesn't want them to read. It's that's a little bit tricky. Um, So it's finding out where they're coming from so that, you know, but then that also, it, it makes it apparent that you're a willing participant, that you care about community, that you care about them, that you care about their child and what they do or do not want their child exposed to. So it's sitting with some of that And then playing the game of like, can I figure out a way? Because what you're going to do here is create, unless a parent is just like wildly overbearing and unreasonable, if they are reasonable and just looking out for the best interest of their kid, what you're doing there is building a partnership. And that it's far better to have someone who's a partner than someone who's in in opposition. And building something maybe together um, is that's kind of how I would move forward with something like that because it can be tricky. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going and having the conversation out of pure curiosity. Hey, I was, you know, I was wondering if we could sit down and talk about this. Like I, you know, and, and again, thanking them for coming forward and then having the conversation about why would they choose to do that so that we can make this something that's great for all kids. Yeah, they said it's mostly around um, when it's like creating student engagement or just having fun. Like they don't think that's important? Well, whatever it is. But that's kind of like, I guess, the area in which 
the complaint comes from. Or so, all right. So this to. is a so, great question. Because but I, I think that that I think you kind of don't you think that you answered it with like being like just going in and with curiosity and asking yeah, like but, why and then explaining why it has value or you could. But there's a next step if it's fun and engagement. Because the next step is going to be, are you switching back to my other camera? Yep. All right, because I wasn't <laughs> sure. I don't want to look like I'm not paying attention. Um, the With that, there's no way I'm not going to dial down the fun. There's just not a parent that could come in and tell me that it doesn't work. I can give you. So what I would do is not just give them my opinion, but I'd give them the data on that. Fastest way I found to find data on anything is go to chat GPT. I need data supporting this. You got to go ahead and read the stuff though, and make sure that it's actually applicable to what you're doing, but it's finding the research because the research will, will prove it a hundred percent that if you can make something fun, that it enhances learning and enhances the classroom climate, the classroom community. There's it's only positive. Now there are people who just screw around in class all the time and they, they go, Oh, it's just learning through play and it's not really it's like bro we see what you're doing y'all are just sitting here chilling playing legos and there's you have no idea what the even the positive ramifications of this are um and then it's talking to your admin to make sure that they're going to back you like this parent doesn't like this because they're this way i need to know that if moving forward i can't I can't do that. That's not even who I, that's not even like, this is where my giftedness lies. And the kids are getting a less than experience, not just because it's fun for me, but because it's meaningful for them. So making sure that your admin is going to have your back. Should a parent just say, no, I don't think that this is how school should be. It should be this way. Red flag. And then I need to make sure that my administration backs me up on that. So what happens when your administration doesn't, because that's part of the question that, that they're being told the teacher is then being told like, no, you can't do this because a parent complained because the parent influence is so heavy in the school. Well, then I want to know, are we really, what are we doing here? Are we about kids or are we about placating to parents wants and needs? Because there's any number of things I'm sure if that that could change if we just put parents in control and parents should have a say. Absolutely. Like you can join something formal, like your, your PTA or something of that nature. Um, join the school board, um, show up to meetings and have a say, but this is a collaborative effort. This is a communal effort. It is not a dictatorship. So show up and sure, add your voice. And if there are aspects of what we're doing that as a group, we decide that this is is too much, it's not needed or whatever, then let's have that conversation. But I'm going to go back and show you that with all, there's so many examples of adding a level of play or fun or silliness to just about anything enhances experiences. So I then I conversely, I would say, well, then show me the data, like show me that where this doesn't fit. And I, then we can have a conversation, but it, to me, part of this is really standing your ground. If you know, you're right. And we're just doing this because, because I've had, I, I will say, especially within class, now I'm thinking slightly different lens through classroom management lens. And this mom just popped into my head yesterday. We were somewhere and I saw a kid that looked like her kid. She had two twin boys and she was heavy. Like they got away with everything because admin was afraid of the mom because the mom would come up and raise hell and she was smart. And 
They knew how to play the game. They knew mom was going to have her back and she was going to play the game. And I just didn't play. I'm just, I'm just like, you're not coming into my class and acting like this, putting other people down like that, saying certain things to kids, abusing children, bullying kids, not happening under any circumstances. And I used to get pulled in the office all the time. And I just had to play the, I don't care card. Like that's where you get to that point where you're like, nope, if it, this is hurting children, not happening in my classroom. All right. Next up is Summer. Next up, because I'm going to get fired up. <laughs> yeah, we're move on. Uh, okay, Summer's up next asking, how do you deal with teachers who grade dump at the at the end of a grade period and it bumps your students from extracurricular active or extracurricular? Um, I've tried emailing discussions, but some teachers just don't care. And it's killing yeah. my students' drive and willingness to work. And how do they get feedback of grades? Uh, that are dumped at the end of three weeks and move on. Wait, what was that last part? And how do they get feedback of grades are dumped at the end of three weeks and move on? So um, I don't quite understand that part. Yeah. Summer, add on. <laughs> uh, but I will say this, Summer, um, that can be a huge issue, uh, which is why I like systematizing my grading methods because it keeps kids like every friday um more or less grades were current i want you to go into the weekend knowing that and i and so i put a lot of time and effort and energy into creating systems where i was able to grade like that and input grades like that so that kids knew um but for folks that don't i think it's i think it's you're gonna have to do more work and that sucks but here's what i think that looks like the biggest problem i have with administration putting more so i'm backing it up a little bit i'm gonna i'm talk about this but it's gonna affect your exact question the largest problem i have with administration putting more and more and more and more and more on teachers is that i've asked in meetings where years where they just dump all these extra responsibilities we're doing things new ways and here's the new form and here's the new way to do it. and you got to hand in three different ways now is asking in administrative meetings, like meeting staff meetings. Um, I'm curious if you could walk us through. So I'm not even against doing all the things. If that's what needs to be done and that's legally what we're bound to, facts. I would love someone to walk us through how you can get this done given a, the regular teacher schedule. And that no one could ever show me. No one ever wanted to take the time to sit down with me because it's like, I, I want to manage my time well, but if I'm going to also have a whole life, raise my kids and not spend, you know, 22 hours a day doing this so I can get eight hours of sleep a night, like show me in my contracted hours how I'm supposed to get this done. And no one ever could. So I just didn't do it. Right. So I just like, so I just didn't do stuff. Um, so when you have people not doing things, I think it's maybe for some of those folks, it's leading a workshop. Maybe it's talking about, here's some grade, here's some ways that you can save your time grading. Here's maybe, um, can the school, if you're having like uh, multiple choice assessments and they're holding you up because they're just so boring to grade to, can we invest in something like a, like an app that I'm going to be able to grade those in, in a second? Can we work with newer teachers to build better habits on how we're grading faster, more effectively, and more efficiently? 
So it's giving them some of the tools and walking them through what that might look like to get that time back. Because I guarantee teachers want to have their grades updated, but it becomes this daunting task. And then like the video, I, I think I had a video. I remember making a video recently um, where I was talking about like carrying home like a uh, like a laundry basket filled with like, actual laundry basket filled with student work that I had to grade. And it just sits there. Right. And then my friend Lindsay King used to say that um, she would she did the same thing, but she just took her work on a ride and then just eventually brought it back to school. Like she never even took it home. She's like, I just like to take a drive on the weekends because I like, you know, like I'm going to like I'm going to do it, but I don't. I think it's helping them out. And then I think it's talking to your leadership um, about what are some ways that we can help this to happen. Do we need to create more time for teachers? Do we need to help teachers? Do teachers just need a little bit of pressure? Like, what do we need to do to help some people? And I'm not talking about folks that like, there's some folks that like legitimately are trying to get it all done and they just can't, right? They, it's like they're run, they have too many things to do. What about for the ones that aren't, that isn't the legitimate but, issue? Yeah, because I know those teachers. I know those teachers that like, they just don't like get it done. About like stop just... chatting it up all the time. And, or like, I see you doing whatever. And I'm far be it from me, honestly, to judge people's time. But there are moments when you're like, yo, y'all like don't ever put in grades. And then I just see you like sitting in the teacher's lounge, like eating snacks all the time. And it's like, can we like do something? Have a grading party in my classroom twice a week. We're doing lunch together and we're just grading together. Right. We're going to have snacks. We could put on music. We're going to create a vibe and we're just grading. Like I would actually make moments. It's so what I'm doing here, Summer, is just kind of like it's something's got to work right but is it the pressure thing is it the making it more attractive is it letting people know that like look kids lose interest in school when they don't have something else to look forward to like i have kids that only cared about school during the football season and then it's a wrap so that's some of what i would kind of consider uh one other thing that she added was um she said, my kids don't know how they are doing because they don't get grades until they're due. Yeah. So they don't know that they're failing until it's too, too late. So the other thing you do is you have to teach your students to become advocates for themselves. Let kids go put pressure on teachers, right? Like when kids go in and say like, hey, I really want to know I got on that test or I want to know what I got on that quiz or I want or I need to know for basketball or for cheerleading or whatever it is, it's teaching young people not just to advocate, but how to do it. Excuse me, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, having the students send an email and CCing um, the department head on it or their parent on it, like that adds, I think, a level of positive pressure. I'm not in, I'm not in any way either trying to just put more pressure on teachers because that is certainly not necessary, but there are certain areas where it's like the squeaky wheel does get the oil. And I think teaching our young people to 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 stick up for themselves and for what they want for what's important to them um is going to be important as well i'm about to sneeze that's because i just, I just sneezed in case anybody heard it i really tried to be quiet it's happening <laughs> oh <sighs> there you go all right john fox is up next i know you're gonna have another one you usually sneeze <sighs> it usually happens in threes <laughs> all right that's the first time here <laughs> on Sunday, all right, John Fox is asking, um, when you're in a tough situation with no quick fix, with several months of stress and difficulty to get through, how do you remind yourself to keep going for the light at the end of the tunnel? Don't look at all the months, John. That's the uh, mm. answer. I have to look at what is right in front of me. 
So sometimes that is, and I've, some of these things, it's funny, like some of this stuff has just been top of mind. So I've talked about in videos recently, but it is, what do I have to do today? What can, I can't think about tomorrow or the next month or whatever. Like it just have to do my best to just think about today. How can I, if I have a particularly busy day, um, I, you know, there's this guy, Michael Chernow that I follow that had a Instagram post that I thought was interesting, not, not completely true maybe, but it went viral. And uh, he said, he got a lot of crap for it. Also, he said, if you look into someone's closet and see how it is organized or unorganized or shoved or whatever it looks like, you can pretty much get a picture of what's in that person's mind. Now, some of you are feeling a real level of shame and some of you are feeling immense pride right now because you're like, that's my closet right there. So what I think about is my physical space. So when I know that I have to, that there's all this stuff coming up, that there's all these classes and all these grades and, and, and external things outside of school that are coming up and things like that. Um, it is first I straighten up, I clear surfaces and I put things away my physical space oftentimes resembles my mental space. So when my when my desk looks like a hot disaster, cause it's like there's work to grade and there's notes and things all over the place, dude, I can't even operate like that. Clear it all off, put paper clips on everything, organize it. And then what's on my desk is what I can grade right now. And then my, I even wipe off my desk. I clean things that helps me to do it. Then I create the space, right? I put music on. I let kids know that they can't talk to me right now. I put a student that's in charge. They're like my buffer, like my security. They will take kids notes. Then I just build out the time and I get it done. I find that building momentum gets things done, right? Just like reading, right? So like if I start grading a little bit, I get, can get little bits done at a time and that helps. But the more I can build up a momentum and a flow, you know, when you're great and stuff and you start remembering those answers. So you're just checking papers and flipping them over and checking papers and flipping them over like you're just moving through it. That is all I can do that's in front of me. And then what I find is that once I start checking those things off my list. So the other thing is I have a list of everything that has to get done. And then I have a list of what can get done today. I only put three things on my list. Sometimes I do five, but I know the other two are like wishful thinking. And they're like, if I get through this, I can do these. But it's what three things can I get done today? Because if I sit there and worry about it and get overwhelmed, I get one thing done. If I can get three done a day over a five day week, that's 15 major things I got off my plate or that I worked on or that I spent time in. And that's how I kind of slowly build the momentum to do that. So it's cleaning it's straightening. It's only having on my desk what I can do right now. And then I'll tell you the other thing, John, is timing yourself. So I'm only going to grade for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to make parent phone calls or emails or get back to people for 30 minutes. And that doesn't allow you to get it all done, but it's like taking big bites out of each thing that you have to do that helps bring down my levels and, and helps me chill. So what if it's not in regards to classroom and just life? Like, we don't know what the situation Same is thing. for him. Um, it's well, getting... I would add in there, because I think that you didn't mention, um, it's putting things of joy on the calendar. So our yeah. daughter often laments school, right? She is not one that loves school. Um, and I think some of that has been ruined because of what we do and who her dad is and uh, 
the fun that he just creates in, in life sometimes and even in small ways, nothing huge, but yeah. like you're just fun. And so she often laments school and really does not like going. And I have to, for me, it's like for her to think about like the whole year to go through, I often remind her like you have to put fun on the calendar kind of we have to like yep. make sure that we're doing things that fill us up and it's all about working on that mind um space like don't get don't stay in when you're feeling down like what do you do to like get yourself out of that space so it's a lot of just like mind strengthening because i think sometimes that's all you have and control over it's like if you're in a tough situation you're just like she can't, I can't yeah. quit school because she's not happy with homeschool either. So it's like neither one works for her. Um, but that intentionality in putting yeah. behind that is important because I think it's also the intentionality of putting behind the work. We can prep to do work all we want. Nothing gets work done like doing work. So I can, so think about that for a second, right? Like it's what gets the work done is doing the work. So you have to be intentional about doing the work, build out the time, create the space to do it. Then with the fun, building out the like we have to work on you, putting right? it on the calendar the on Friday after school. I am going to do this with my friends. I'm going to play pickleball. I'm going to shoot basketball. I'm going to play my drums. I'm going to going to the gym. I'm going to knit, and I'm putting it on the calendar because that is what. And it's not going to be a one off. You're not going to knit for an hour on Friday and be like, you know what, bro? I don't even know how I'm sweating. Life's so good. You have to build the muscle of living a full life and it is only by practice and intentionality that you get to that yeah and don't fear john you like let me just remind you that you are capable it's of doing things. it like do like like you can show like you can do it you're built for this right here's alex hermosi has this idea of like you knew we knew teach so if i talk to teaching we knew teaching was going to be hard there's not anyone in the world that if you said, is teaching hard or not, the, unless you're completely delusional, you're going to say, yes, teaching is hard. When it gets hard, just remind yourself, this is what it was going to, this was, this was, I, I knew, knew this was going to be hard. hard. This is what hard feels like. And then know that you were built for this. You're made for this. Like no one gets into teaching on accident. Well, maybe there's like three people that are like, wait, what the hell <laughs> just even happened? Um, but you got, you were built for this and you knew it was going to be hard. This is what hard feels like. Now do the work and get through it. You but can that, do it. That's that mind shift. It's like you have to control yeah. your mind and your thoughts and the things that are coming in. Yeah. Um, okay. Ruth is up next asking any suggestions to making virtual instruction fun for students? Uh, so I think with fun, Ruth, it is, it's thinking of a couple of things with, and this is virtual or in person actually. But with virtual, when we were like, because I had to teach, it was like a year and a half virtually during COVID. Um, it was try everything. Like I, if it gets your attention, right? So why does, one of the reasons fun works is because kids' attention is so short. Their attention spans are so short and they don't care. So anything I can do that is going to get your attention is going to, is going to help me win um because now i have your attention so maybe i can just get something i mean get a little learning in there right now so i would do things like i mean and some of this has been done so many times it loses a little bit of its luster but on zoom i would change my background i would record myself just um 
like talking and then I would put it on my back. I would close my camera, put it on my background. So it looked like I was talking, but then I would talk and it looked like it was just not syncing up. Like it was an old Kung Fu movie that was overdubbed in English or something like that. Um, having, you know, and we've all seen this on, on TikTok and stuff at this point, but like having myself come in, it was using video, right? So I'm going to play a video and you have to watch this video is the pre-class. It's not me. It's only going to be on for the three minutes that it's on. And then we're going to, we're going to move. It was you, I would put kids pictures on behind me and use those as like a screensaver behind me. And then like, um, that was part of it. It was, it was, uh, doing virtual from other places. Where else could I do the, could I do in my living room? Could I go to the bathroom? Like not go to the bathroom, but you know, like I'm standing at the sink and I'm talking about centrifugal force or something like that. Uh, could I go to my backyard? Could I go to my garden? Could I go to the alleyway next to my house? Where else could this happen that would make this come alive? Um, and then I think for anything, there's never going to be like a one, there's like never like a, a silver bullet in education. There's, it is constantly exercising the muscle of creativity, seeing what works and then if it works, great. If it didn't work, fail as quick as possible and then figure out the next thing. And don't let it be daunting that like four things didn't work in a row because it's already, it's choose your heart, right? Like class without me trying to be innovative is hard, right? Class with me being innovative is hard. Choose your heart. I think it's more fun to just be like, all right, today I'm dressed up as a chicken so we can do this thing. I'm going to put on, like, I'm going to, be a nucleus and I'm going to have this green screen and I'm like, whatever the situation is, however crazy it is, it's done for kids. And it just, I think it makes your job more, more fun, but it's like trying as many things as you can, as quickly as you can, that are going to give you the outcome. Um, yeah, I think that, and I think making kids teach too helps like putting kids on the spot and making them lead nothing attracts nothing gets attention, like changing things up. Um, and so even in class, I'd have kids teach stuff all the time because their friends would be more likely to pay attention. They get to see what it feels like to stand up there in front of everyone when no one's listening to you. So there's a lot of things and nothing teaches you better than teaching other people. Nothing cements it in your brain, like teaching what you're learning to someone else. That's so true. Um, and I think you forget that you used during uh, COVID, you used um, sound effects a lot too. You had fun with sound oh, yeah. effects. Tons of sound effects, tons of video effects, tons of um, just anything. I mean, puppets. I mean, it got weird in there, man. <laughs> we were doing all kinds of crap. Like it I was feel like you really have to pull out the stops for virtual because it's because you're it's so easy to just like zone out nod off get distracted like Let, that's such a that reminds me of something right and this is something we're going to talk about in the workshop so if, if you're just joining us like we're having a workshop on friday around cl classroom management with a focus this time so we're going to have four of these um one a month um this one focuses on building relationships and here's one of the things that this is going to tie into is this idea of but why am i doing this I do not have fun in class just because it's fun for me. Mm. I have fun in class because it helps my students. I have fun in class because I know that by and large, school sucks. It is not fun. 
I know that kids have second grade reading levels in my ninth grade literature class, that they've been failed by the system. So in trying to be engaging, fun, include student voice, getting to know my students, I am trying to use everything in my toolbox that I can think of to help you win. And so sometimes it's holding a mirror up and letting kids know, not in a way that's like trying to guilt them, right? We don't have to like guilt kids and like, you know, I try to do all this stuff. And you guys like never want to do it. It's more like, listen, I'm trying a lot of stuff here. Nothing's landing and, and you guys still don't want to do it. But I want to remind you why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this just because I'm zany or like zany uh, or just because I'm wild or fun or just crazy. Although that I am right. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm that dude. I'm trying to do this because I recognize that school largely sucks. I recognize that some of you have been failed by the system. I recognize that it's hard to wake up early every day and to show up to school and put this much work in. So I'm trying to make it more fun. It is just a spoonful of sugar. You still have to make the medicine go down. But I'm like, in what ways then can we work together to make this not, even if it's not great, how do we make it not suck as much as it does? And it's never letting an opportunity go by where you're not sharing with kids why we're doing this. Like we're not outside making fires just so I can teach you to be arsonists, right? Like we're making fires because I want the part from the book to come alive, right? Why are we making costumes, wearing costumes, sitting on the floor, reading children's books, whatever we're doing, because this sucks. Otherwise, let's make it fun, man. And, and it's going to make you grasp it more. It's going to make you remember it more. It's going to make you want to show up to class. It's going to make you never sure what the hell is going to happen next. That's where that, and that was my video from last week was like, why not just having fun? Why fun's important. So yeah. Uh, Savannah's up next asking, how do you gently nudge a student who freezes with overwhelm of every little assignment? It's already broken down step-by-step step. student freezes until the last minute, not procrastinating, freezing. Got it. So one, we need to know, Savannah, what is the Savannah Ghost Research Society? Because you win best username today. That is, I'm just I'm deeply curious now. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. I really would love if you put it in there. Uh, you know, I feel like you've asked her that before have i yeah well, i, I want to know still because so. i don't i you don't forget. remember getting an answer i might have and you know i'm getting older sometimes just think it's so hard to be a kid and we forget because we look at kids and i'm not saying you're doing this but just in general we look at students and we think like yeah all the time in the world got all the energy in the world you got all like man if i had known what i know now when i was your age but the thing is you don't know and you know less and you don't know how to manage yourself. You don't know how to manage your feelings all the time. And even though people tell you, it's like you don't have the muscle memory or the muscle mass yet that the, I'm talking about like the social, emotional, emotional muscle to do the thing. And so it just, you get the feeling of overwhelm. And then that feeling of overwhelm, when someone reminds you of like, I already told you what to do, can often be met with shame. And so Savannah, again, I'm not saying that you're doing this. I'm just mentioning that what I've seen many, many times and what I've seen myself do is that we go, how can I keep telling you to bring a pencil? Like just bring a pencil. Cause now I'm getting aggravated that you are unprepared every day. And you know that there are some kids that are just not doing it just because they want to bother you. And there's other kids that are doing it that they just forgot again. 
And damn it, I forgot again. And now I'm that guy. Like, I just, I'm so stupid. I can't even remember to bring a pencil. And I don't want a kid to think that they're stupid because they forgot to bring a pencil, right? I don't think that's a good motivator. There might be like two kids that are like, you know what? This is the end. I'm not being stupid anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to tape it to my finger. So I have to bring it every day. I think all students want to do a good job. Just some of them stop caring about doing a good job. And then other kids have just things that they just get overwhelmed with. And we, the only way to meet that with is just kindness. It's just compassion. It's teaching kids the skill of how to deescalate, right? So this might take working with, this is not going to be just a you thing, Savannah. This is like, and maybe your name's not even Savannah and you live in Savannah. Regardless, I don't know, the ADD. Uh, <laughs> It is talking to your school counselor. It's talking to folks at home. It's talking to administration. It's coming up with a plan as a community as to how we're going to help this child and other children with their needs so that they can grow from this, right? Because this can be a moment where if it's not handled right, you're going to crush a kid and they're going to grow up with this debilitating, like even if it's just in the back of their head, like, like I can't handle anything. So you can handle something. So what we're going to do is empower you, young person. We're going to empower you by realizing that this is not big of a deal. We have time for you to de-escalate, for you to calm down. We're then going to teach you the one next thing you have to do. That's it. You're going to do one next thing. What's that next thing going to be? Maybe you put your name on the top of the paper. Maybe you put the date on the top of the paper. But we're going to teach you skills to move forward. And it's more than I can really go into now. But like. There are a ton of skills, right? So maybe one of the little ones I used to talk to students about is um, when you start getting overwhelmed, what I want you to do is uh, sometimes it's self-talk, right? Some, one of the things I talk to my own kids about is like sometimes it's self-talk and it's having a cue for yourself. Or one of the cues for myself is I snap and I tell myself, I don't do that anymore. That's the old me. New me does this. Or I get up and I get out of the room right? Uh-oh, it's coming. I need to just kind of move my body because my physiology is going to affect my psychology, right? So I need to move my body to get up because I'm starting to feel that way again. And I need to shift, right? I need to shift physically and mentally. One of those things is getting kids to connect a cue with a feeling, right? So what that means is that if there's something you do before a basketball game, before you're, you go out on the field for cheerleading, right? Maybe there's like a, I smile, I take a deep breath and I go, I got this. And then when you start feeling the overwhelm in class, it's doing the same thing because mentally it will help you kind of trigger that space, that feeling, and it, it, it affects, uh, it can affect your performance in a positive way. So it's teaching kids to learn those things. And then um, and that's, that's some of how I've done it, but I'll tell you what, in retrospect, being a hard ass as a teacher has all, especially with things like this, it's just never worked. It's like, when I look back, I'm like, I always wish that I had been kind. I always wish that I had met those moments with love and that can get tiring for us, but we can't push the gas pedal on someone else's healing. We can't push the gas pedal all the time on someone else's growth. And I, yeah, so that's, I don't know. I feel like I need a way to end my. I think that, no, I think that that's right. It's like, right. And, and part of it is you realizing 
Savannah, that you as the teacher are limited in your capacity because a lot of that comes from what that child needs at home is something Facts. is like major support at home because this is not something that's going to be cured from like just your class, right? It needs that community aspect where like the guy, like everybody knows who this child is and they're supporting their needs as best as possible in a school situation. And then at home is where the real diligent work comes from the parent to really like help that child understand. And yep. then is therapy needed, but it's a lot of support. It's a lot of loving care. It's a lot of patience, patience and being very soft with a child like that. So you're, you're about to hit, I don't want you to miss this. I feel like you're about to hit it, but just in case you don't, it's the building who you are so you can do that work, right? Yeah. How do you then when that kid freaks out, you're not freaking out. I'm cool comic. I'm going full Chris. We Carson know that this, because right? we've had to learn how to do that through our own parenting, Facts. through our own kids' situations. I do not have average. Well, I mean, maybe they're average. I don't know. Like, it's my first time having teenagers, so you know, mine are mine. Um, but I know that not mine average. have required a ton of growth from us as being able to parent them in the way that they need. Yeah. Um. So that's and the how beauty of that learned. is, Savannah. Next year, you're gonna have some other kid different name, different face, same, same behavior. And you're going to know how to deal with it better. Or maybe not as, not as difficult, right? Not as yeah. extreme, but you'll be like super ready yeah. and prepare. It won't phase you because you'll know how. Kids benefit from our growth. Yes. Absolutely. Turns out personal growth isn't so personal. <laughs> oh, facts. Okay. Uh, Jennifer is up next asking, how do we get the buy-in for those meaningful activities? The administration is okay, but the TA or co-teacher feel, feel otherwise. Um, yeah. I think that was the only All right. One. I'm really going into this in the workshop that's coming up and it's, it's going to flood me. So I'm going to try and give you like, like two ideas here because otherwise I will go on a tangent on this for an hour because I, I, man, Jennifer, I've lived this so hard where you're ready. Like you've got, you're wearing the face paint. You're, you come to school in the costume, your classroom looks the way that it does or sounds the way that it does, or you're doing the thing and you're on the desk and it's like, whatever it is that is out of the box. Right. And people just look at you like, this is such a waste of time and it's so dumb. And why are you doing this? And then you, if you're not careful, start thinking, this is such a waste of time. This is so dumb. Why am I doing this? And I think one, how do we get people to buy in? If we're talking about adults buying in or, or, or getting down with what we're doing, the proof is in the pudding, right? So watch me win, right? Watch, watch everybody love this. Watch kids talk about this for a week or a month. Watch kids not, that kid is late every day. Watch them walk into my class five minutes early because they're so stoked about this. Watch them stop in the morning and ask me about it. Watch kids come up to me after school and say, yo, Reynolds, that was, that was incredible today. Like, that was so fun. Watch the grades go up. Watch the parent emails that come in. So it is creating opportunities. And then if they're non-believers, nothing builds belief like Showing them the proof is in the pudding, right? Showing them the aftermath, showing them the data. 
that comes from this. Like you can't argue with smiles. You can't argue with with people coming up to you in the hallway and telling and or telling other people you're their favorite teacher, right? Like because you made an you made an experience out of a lesson. So that's one. How do we get kids to buy in? I think this is another important thing, right? That we're going to go into in the workshop too. And part of that is again, it's having this conversation with students about like what you're trying to do. I need you to understand where this is coming. Before we get into this, y'all, I'm just letting you know, we're not just doing this for fun. We're not just doing this because I want you to say I'm your favorite teacher, right? Because I have I have so many dudes that would leave my classroom and they're like, yo, Reynolds class is the best. We don't even learn anything in there. We just do this. And I'm like, first of all, you just you just minimized my whole thing here. Like, what do you mean we don't even do anything? So part of it is like, I'm sneaking vegetables in. You didn't even know it. And I'm that's fine as long as you're eating your vegetables. But I also want you to know that don't to, like minimize my efforts here and tell me that you're not learning anything. Uh, so it's holding a mirror up so the kids realize that there's actual benefit to this. Yeah, that's I will stop myself there. I wasn't listening. Sorry. <laughs> well, it was good. I missed it. Oh, and I wasn't. Sometimes these the are the questions, questions too, love. Where like you don't have the next one ready, and I'm like, if you don't hurry up, I'm going to say the next thing that comes <laughs> in my mind because I really that's I got one because I get so impassioned by that because when you are that teacher, it is it's always met with like. Like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, are they doing something again? Like, oh, great. Reynolds it's hard enough to be again. that teacher. Like, yeah, to and, not. And then to have to like battle that every day. I we talked. I was just talking to my son about this today. People want you to do great until you do better than they're doing. Then they go from your cheerleader to your hater mm. oftentimes. Right. And what you want in your life is to surround yourself with friends and with coworkers that are going to champion you even when you surpass what they're doing. And I'm not trying to, this isn't like a competition. I'm not trying to be the best teacher. I'm not trying to be everyone's favorite. Um, I do want to have the best class that I can have though, but I love when someone else is doing something great too. This is when my part of my relationship with Cho was like, dude, I heard about what you did today. It was sick. Yeah. And like then going in and like, sitting in on a friend's class because you know it's going to be awesome and not making that letting that make you feel like crap but going right. dude that was awesome like now I'm, I'm inspired like to one up my class now i think that's against like just human nature we often look at people who are succeeding i think and and then feel bad about ourselves yeah. and instead taking that and trying to learn from it or yeah be better it's yourself, pouring gas it's... on each other's fire instead of like oh like Hey, you can do a great job. And then once they even out there, people get like weird about it. And then once you have a class or you get a, you know, you get a, a reputation for being awesome. It's like folks get, they're just like, oh, like, I didn't want you to do that well. Yeah. You know, because well, they feel like it reflects on them and it's, yeah, and it, it doesn't, doesn't, man, I'm just trying to make friends and have at a high level. All right. Have fun. Are you Go ready ahead. for our next one? Love is up next asking, I'm a first year teacher and I spend about four to six hours lesson planning every Sunday and two to three hours grading. Any advice on how to manage the workload? So I think this is a great question. Um, and because I think every single person that's on here has been there, right? 
some of it is going to be because you're new, right? And it's not, I'm going to tell you some ways to manage your time, but like some of it is just because you're new and anything you start doing takes longer, right? Like no matter what you're doing, if you started cleaning houses for a living, when you start cleaning houses, it's going to take you longer than it did later. If you are learning how to do woodworking, if you're fixing cars, whatever it is, it just takes you longer in the beginning till you start seeing the patterns. You start knowing what you're supposed to do. You start knowing like you have a toolbox of things to pull from. So some of it just takes longer. I think the problem with working too many hours is it actually, it takes away from the experiences and from your, like you just start feeling zapped. And when you're feeling zapped, you can't be a great teacher, right? You can still be a pretty good teacher, but you can't be awesome if you're not feeling at your best. So I think one, it's about getting super intentional about your time, right? That's one. Two is how much of this could I delegate, right? Like, or how much grading really needs to be done, right? Can I grade for less things on a particular assignment? So I used to grade essays and I would grade for everything, like all the things, even if it's stuff we didn't talk about, like you're not even using conjunctions, right? Or you have a, you use this, uh, you don't have a preposition in this sentence or, you know, there's this commas in the wrong place or this, I use a semicolon. You didn't use it right. And it's like, what, like, what are we talking about? We don't even talk. We didn't even talk about semicolons in class. We didn't even talk about incomplete sentences or, or whatever it was. It was in this essay and letting kids know, I'm going to look at these three to five things. The end, you could have all kinds of other mistakes in there. We're not even talking about those right now. We're grading for this. And then what I found was that my students actually grew more because we got hyper-focused. We started doing vocab the same way. Instead of giving you 20 words a week, which just feels like a flex, is like we're doing five, but we're going heavy on these and getting deep understanding. Like you will never forget these words. We're going to go so heavy, deep, and real on these. Then you're going to have those same words next week with a new five. So you're seeing those five words four weeks in a row. So good luck to folks that are given 20 words a week, because if your kids can remember those answers at the end of the year, I'd be impressed. But if we're going five a week and then we're going however many weeks of school, that's that is like a deep understanding um, because we went we went simple and deep instead of broad and complex. And so it's so that's some of it. Right. Um, it's thinking, does everything have to be a grade like that? Can some things just be a completion grade, right? Some things that we do in class, I can, I like saw everyone doing it. We did it. We went through half of it together. Do I really have to sit here and grade everyone's answer? Um, so that's some of it too. The planning part, look, I say this all the time and, and it is really, it is my motivation for eventually creating um, resources, but that takes, it is not some, it's not something I'm, I'm, I'm just not there yet. Right. Um, there's only one you, <laughs> there's only one me. So, but getting resources from elsewhere and then sprinkling your magic will, it gives you back your time, your energy. It allows you to think of how can I take this and level it up? So when I do presentations, I talk about this idea of like, you can make a cake from scratch and maybe that's your favorite thing in the world and good for you. Like, look, seriously, I'm not even being sarcastic about that. Um, but you could also buy a boxed cake 
and then make it look magical. You could skip a step, and this is what I do because I don't bake, is I can go to the supermarket and buy the cake there, and the cake's already made. It's already iced, and now I'm going to put it on a different platter. Now, now I can spend my time making it look next, next level. Maybe I even have enough time now that I'm buying like some decorations and some balloons, right? So it's to me, it's getting a lesson. And I'm not talking just buying stuff on TPT or something, but that could be an answer. But it's like, can I get the curriculum, the basis of the idea, the comprehension questions, the basic quiz structure, their test structure, the basic reading um, chop up that's going to happen for this particular book? So like this is how many pages and this is what you're responsible for. Can I get those basic things met by getting them from elsewhere? So then my job is sprinkling magic. And for me, the magic is what gives me the energy. It's adding the creative component that, that fills me up and makes my class come alive. But you're also getting your time back from that. And I'll tell you what, spending time putting in the hard work of coming up with, let's say, comprehension questions in a novel drains me. Spending extra hours in my classroom making an experience, coming up with something that's next level fills me up. So that was some of it too. So I wasn't working less hours in those early days. I was just doing stuff that made me excited instead of stuff that, that brought me down. But it's be, I think everything comes down to really becoming a master of your calendar, like owning those hours, knowing right. what, yeah. Sorry. No, I I'll keep done. going. Keep no, going. you were done. Hit it, uh, Maisha has a fun question. My friend. Asking, what do you prefer, binder clips or paper clips? Mm. I like both. <laughs> How do you decide? I'll tell you what, <laughs> it is both. Uh, but I can't stand little paper clips are basically useless. I only use like the large paper clips. Um, the little ones, they just it's like what what do you even just staple it if you have two papers? Then large binder clips. So I will um each class turns in an assignment. If I can fit a paper clip on there, normally without making it like, you know, those jeans that you have that you put on and you know, they don't really fit. And like, you know, like when you sit down, you got to unbutton them. Um, <laughs> you're asking too much from them. And I think people do the same thing with paper clips, right? They ask too much from them. When your paper clip starts spreading apart, it's not even effective anymore, bro. Just put a binder clip on it. But I do all of my classes hand in assignment. They each get... Um, a paper clip. If it's a little bit too much, I'll put a small binder clip, but then each group of assessments. So it's like everyone did chapter one questions. Here's all the chapter one questions from all the classes, big binder clip on that with a post-it note on the front to remind me what it is. And then I organize it accordingly. That's a very important question. <laughs> it was very thorough and good answer. And I, I said both. <laughs> and they all go in their separate container. Small paper clips do not inhabit the same container that large paper clips do, do not inhabit the same, like all the binder clips aren't all together and they're never clipped together. They're neatly in their own thing because it's efficient. And it, I'm looking at the wrong camera and it's oh, more sorry. effective <laughs> that way because then when I'm getting them, it sucks looking through, right? What am I going to do? Like look through a whole thing of paper clips, trying to find five that match. No, because they just go into the large one. I pull them out. They're right there. I'm trying to save. They go back. Goes back to Wallace's question. The more efficient I can get, the more time I save, the more things I get done, and the neatness brings me peace and joy. I'm going mm -hmm. free, Marie Kondo, Kondo, Kondo. 
She's still around. I think I said it wrong, but y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, let's answer one more. Um, me towards the future. It says, hello, I'm a math teacher, uh, international school. I have a little problem with teaching. I have played volleyball with some of my girl students and I won. And since then they started being mean to me. I don't know if there's a second part to that or if this was. We can, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Question. Oh no. Nope. That's it. So what okay. do you do? Dealing with kids that are haters. <laughs> I think when kids hate on you for anything, um, cause it'll happen. Kids get jealous. I, I, I once had a kid, I brought my son to school with me. Bro was probably like six and it was Saturday. So it was, we used to have Saturday school once a month. So my son's laying on the floor playing Legos and I had a little break. So I went in. This dude walks in and I'm laying on the floor next to Brody playing Legos. And I remember this kid comes mm -hmm. in and you remember the story? Mm -hmm. And he goes, Reynolds, what are you doing? And I go, I'm taking, I have my break. I'm just chilling with my kid, like playing Legos. Playing Lego, laying on the floor with you, child. Like he got so mad about it. And then he goes, um, what are you guys, what are you doing after this? Going to go play? And I'm like, no, we're actually going to go to a movie. And he was like, you're going to a movie to see what? And I told him what the movie was. And he didn't like the movie because it was a, like how to train your dragon or something like that. And I remember him getting so mad. And I and so I just said, Damien, I want you to know Damien, not Gilmore. His name was Damien, though. Uh, Damien, um, he goes, so what? You just hang out with your kid? And I go, yeah. I said, do you hang out with your dad? And he goes, and he got all mad about that. And I knew what the answer already was going to be. I said, I want you to know that, man, if I was, I would hang out with you all the time. Um, but I want you to know this. I said, or no, I actually didn't say that. To, that was a different conversation. I said, would you like to come hang out with us? And he goes, what? I go, do you like, like, come play Legos with us, man. Here's what we're doing. And I was like, my kid's only six. So anything you build, he's going to think is like awesome, right? It's going to like blow his mind. Cause like, and he loves when the big kids come and hang out with him because he doesn't have a big brother. So like, why, this makes me emotional. Um, I went away. I went to go do something. It came back and no kidding. Damien's laying on the floor next. I didn't even say anything to him. Laying on the floor next to my son and they're building something and Brody's showing him the ship and he's like, oh yeah, but look, mine has like fire coming out of the back and it just hit me. So how do we meet kids where they are when they're being mean to us? One, you have to realize that something you did touched something in them in a way that that was hurtful to them. And sometimes kids don't even know that. So how do we meet them there? We meet them with kindness and love. And we do it so hard that we wear them down with our love. Like it's like it's like they're they realize that they're not getting anywhere with us. Um, and that they're that what they're doing is not going to affect even if it is affecting you i just make believe that it's not i look at you in your face i'm like man i just like i just had so much fun playing with you like i know but look i've been playing for a long time right and i love i just loved playing with you i thought that you guys did a really good job and this and this and this and i saw you know like you were crushing it like great work and i think that sometimes that's what some kids need right other times they're just they want to it's like they're mad at you because you crushed it. And guess what, bro? I did crush it. I'm going to crush it in your face. Like, I enjoy the smack talking also, but it's reading the room. It's reading the student. 
It's giving kids the kind of love that they need, giving them the attention that they need and that they deserve. And, um, and really just being patient with them, right? It will wear off. Kids get feelings. It's like, it's right under the skin for them. And then it, it matters. So it's like, I just let kids know that I love them to their face all the time, no matter what, and wear them down. I have a question. Do you think it would be better since it was a group of girls for him to talk to them collectively or individually? It could be both. Depends on it. So do you could do collectively and be like, you can even sit down and be like, yo, listen, I, I'm sensing all the negativity, right? One, I want you to know that your your efforts are in vain because you don't affect my joy, right? All you're doing is hurting yourself, right? But I think you all are awesome. Like, I'm so glad that we even got to play volleyball together or that you get to be in my class. Like, I just want to have a great experience because I care deeply for you. And I think that you all are great. And so let's have a great experience. And if you don't want that, that's up to you. But like, know that you're only hurting yourself. And so um, it is, if you get any kind of visceral or mean reaction from a student, it's holding them back and having that conversation. It's maybe talking to someone that they do respect in the moment that they do get along with like an educator or, or someone on your team and having them sit in and the three of you having a conversation. Um, and then that's it. And then if that doesn't work, bro, it's moving on. Like, I'm just going to teach the rest of everybody else. Like, I don't have time. Like, I don't have that much time to sit here and do this. I want to throw up a good comment that uh, Summer mentioned. She said yeah. that vice versa, when kids do something that touches something in us, we have to be willing to heal Facts. what we need to heal. It's not always the kids. Sometimes it's us. And that is the truth. So I just wanted to throw You caught me mid-sip there. I was going to agree with you, but, you know, I'm drinking this monster water. I saw your head there. shaking. That was good. I'm trying enough. to stay hydrated because otherwise I lose my voice doing these things. I know. That's correct. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we're about at an hour. All right. So listen, if you have not signed up already, it's only 39 bucks. We're doing Classroom Management 101. Building relationships is going to go heavy, deep, and real. This Thursday, it's only like 45 minutes, but I overshoot. If you can't be there live, we'll send you the recording. <clears throat> you can only be for there for half of it because Reynolds, you said it was only going to be 45 minutes. And now you just keep talking and it's gone longer than that. We'll send you the recording and all of that stuff. Um, you can sign up right in the link in the description. If you know someone that needs this, right? Maybe you got it on lock, but there's someone struggling at your school. Let them know about it. And look, like I said, if, you, if you're really, really in a hard place, and because I've been there, I've been to a place where $39 is more than I can <laughs> swing. And I'm not, I am not being sarcastic or, or judging anybody. I've been there, yeah. right? To where we were getting, we were, all right, I won't tell you about stealing napkins from the Chinese food place because I didn't have toilet paper, but um, <laughs> just hit me up. I'll just gift it to you. It's not a big deal. And I'd be happy and honored to have you there, right? If it's, we, we want to meet needs. Um, and that's it, gang. We hope to see you next week. Hope to see you on Thursday uh, at the at classroom management uh, workshop. Um, I'm trying to make this smooth transition, babe. You know, I need to learn how to do these buttons. I don't do this. I'm part. just saying this. Anything else? Nope. You got to be smooth like this. See you next week, everybody. Peace. That's smooth. I just did it so smooth. Okay, bye.